Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, energizing the success of businesses and communities around the world through the imagination of our people, smart technology. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend, Sage Institute colleague and co-host, Ed Kless. And on today's show, folks, we're going to do a check for everyone, really, the basic income idea. So, Ed, I understand you have a workers' comp claim in the making. I do, yeah. I'm going to hit up both Sage and uh, our friends here at Voice America. Um, <clears throat> I've been 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 talking a lot this week, and I, and I actually commuted to L.A. on Wednesday, which was fascinating. Um, but my voice, as you can, our listeners can tell, is shot. I'm really super close to the microphone. And if at at some point you just don't hear from me, it's because it's it's gone. So just you know, just just prep everybody for that. I might just stop talking, and it's all up to Ron. So totally understandable. Well, uh, next time you fly, Ed, take the Dreamliner. I'm telling you, the way they have that cabin pressurized makes a big difference. Yeah, I might <laughs> might have to might have to insist on that. That's part of my claim is that I can only fly Dreamliners. Would be one thing, and you know, I, I guess this is one of the few knowledge worker. Uh, workers' comp issues you could have, right? Yeah, sure. The carpal tunnel, right? And carpal and tunnel that, and and laryngitis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, excellent. Well, first off, I want to give a shout out again to Landon Love All, who tweeted us uh, a suggestion to do this topic, and he said maybe discuss on Free Rider or, or get an interview with an expert on it. And we thought that uh, rather than doing it on Free Rider, we would do it a whole show because it's 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 an idea that's huge and it's worthy of a whole show, and. We, we did try to reach out to uh, an expert on this, um, a guy named Charles Murray, and we just can't get him. He's on a book tour and whatnot, but uh, if we ever do get him, I, he is definitely one of the experts. I know there's others out there, but uh, in that tweet, Landon sent us to an article called, What Would Happen If We Just Gave People Money? It's by Andrew Flowers. It's from April 25th, 2016. It's from the 538 website. And, of course, we will post this on our show notes. And one of the things really interesting, Ed, in two days in Switzerland, there's going to be a referendum on this yep. very issue to give 2,500 Swiss francs, which is roughly $1,700 uh, a month, per month. That's $20,400 a year in our money to, I believe, everyone over 21 um, until death. Yep. And uh, it's not expected to pass. The government is against it. <laughs> uh, it's going to be really interesting to see uh, the results of that vote. 
but this article is very good, and I really thank Landon for sending it our way. It's very thorough. It's a long article, folks. We're not going to have a chance to go through every single aspect of it, but we definitely want to touch the highlights. And I guess, Ed, um, we, we, we do need to clarify terms here because there's a lot of different yeah. terms bandied about. But before we do that, I just wanted to point out, uh, partly from this article, that this idea of a basic income, a guaranteed income, a citizen's wage, it's called all sorts of different things, has quite a long pedigree. Uh, Thomas Paine actually wrote an essay in 1797, this is the author of The Rights of Man, um, who, and he said we should give everybody 15 pounds sterling uh, you know, to everyone over 21 years old. Martin Luther King wrote a book in 1967 called Where Do We Go From Here? Chaos mm-hmm. or Community? And he supported the idea of what he called a guaranteed income. Of course, Melton Friedman uh, proposed in his 1962 book, Capitalism and Freedom, the concept of a negative income tax, which has kind of transmogrified into our earned income tax credit, at least in in the uh, U.S., although there's differences between that, too. Um, President Richard Nixon proposed a basic income for everybody. Uh, and it actually passed in the House, but stalled in the sev- in the Senate. And this, of course, would have been the 70s, um, as well as other other uh, people that have proposed this, think tanks and whatnot. But I think one of the things I want to do is contrast this 538 article with Charles Murray's, what he calls the plan. And right. he wrote a book about this called In Our Hands. A Plan to Replace the Welfare State. It's a short book. It's 200 pages. Uh, It's a fantastic read because, as you know, Ed, Murray is just unbelievably a thorough and meticulous Mm. scholar. And when he takes on any topic, he goes through it with a fine-tooth comb. Uh, The numbers backs up everything in five appendixes. and And he's just thought about this from every conceivable angle, including the objections to it. So we'll we'll probably get to that later in the show, um, but I know you wanted to clarify some some terms, so let's do that first. Okay. Well, and the other thing I just wanted to add is that it, it, the pedigree for this is long, as you said, <clears throat> and even in some cases very libertarian. I mean, uh, Friedrich Hayek said this: a basic income is necessary for the proper 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 functioning of the state, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and also the the libertarian philosopher Robert Nozick said that you know he 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 did say that there's problems with this because we can't really tell if we're compensating the right people, but he he did agree that that income would be a good enough proxy. So, you know th- this again a, a long pedigree of lots of smart people, and you know you throw Thomas Paine in there who's the original people that a lot of uh, a lot of uh, a lot of folks who are antithetical to government talk about right and his 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 uh, you know government is is a is is a necessary evil but yet he was for basic income tax or basic uh, universal basic income that's that's got some pedigree to it it really does and and as you also pointed out Matt Lewinsky who's who's mentioned in this article a philosophy professor from the University of San Diego uh, is also and he's a prominent libertarian um, mm-hmm. Which I find interesting that he's got a university job, Ed. That's, uh, <laughs> that's how do you shocking. do that? How do you that's get shocking. That? Yeah. yeah, that's shocking in and of itself. Exactly. Um, 
but he, you know, he he said, and I thought this was an interesting line. There's something objectionable about paternalism, treating adults as children who need to have their decisions made for them. And I guess he's specifically talking about, you know, housing and and food stamps and all of that. We kind of use those for social engineering as well. And you know, we should just be giving poor people money, or just give people money and let them do what they wish with it, which is also Charles Murray's plan. All right. Well, let's get to the, some of those definitions because uh, you know there's a couple of them I think that we should probably clarify. And <clears throat> truth be told, I think that we we since this is a topic that's relatively new to us, we 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 might not use these correctly throughout. So I'm I'm going to try to be specific. But the ones that I have is first is is the big or big, uh, which which calls is the basic income guarantee. That's one one philosophy behind this. And what the, the basic income guarantee says is that there has to be some threshold, pick a number, let's say you know $24,000 a year to make the math easy, right? And you would, you would, you're guaranteed that $24,000 a year, but if you work, if you do any kind of work, that, 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 that it would be, then be subtracted out. So in other words, it's means tested up to $24,000. So if you get a job that pays you $1,000 a month, then you would only get $12,000 in your basic income guarantee because it's, it's only going to be matching to, you know, to get you up to $24,000 a year. Right? right. It's a one-for-one trade-off <laughs> up one, to that level. One yeah. trade, right. Then there's what's called the universal basic income. And this, I believe, is what Switzerland is passing. It's a universal basic income, or UBI. And what that says is, look at it. We're going to give you $24,000 a year, whether you need it or not. Every man, woman, and child over this, you're, you're going to get it. No means testing at all. Any money you make is, a, uh, is above that. But you're guaranteed this universal basic income. And it's, you, you can ca- count on it from, as you said, 21 until you die. Right. And, and I think the important thing with that, Ed, is it's sufficient to live on. That That's a big idea within this movement is if it's a basic income, it's got to be sufficient to live on. However, the country defines a sufficient standard of living. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So it can't, can't be less than that. And then, but then there's also sort of what we have right now. Which is, as you said, a, a really a bastardization of the negative income tax that was proposed by Milton Friedman, which was actually more, uh, more like a basic income guarantee. But um, the where you have to work a certain amount and meet certain qualifications in order to qualify for the earned income tax credit, which is what it's called called in the United States. Right, and and Friedman's negative income tax, however, is not the earned income tax credit. If right, you could earn nothing, it. you could earn nothing and, and still get a subsidy. Um, now, his was also means tested. You, 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 there was a 50% tax imposed if you earned above that threshold, and then you'd start losing some of the benefit. Right, right. So, again, that was more like a, a big, a basic income guarantee, right, and not, not a universal basic income. So, those are really the two, the two differences. So, basic income guarantee – which is means tested, and then universal basic in, basic income, which is everybody gets off the top. Right. And, you know, the, the, um, one of the interesting things about this topic is we have in the United States and in other countries, we've run experiments on micro places, you know, micro cities or whatever, where they did uh, tried to do experiments on, on doing this. And, and we did four big ones, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Iowa, North Carolina, Seattle, and Denver. Obviously, some of these were combined. Um, 
And there was a famous one done in Manitoba, Canada between seven, 1974 and 79. And what they found was in these experiments was a modest decrease in work. You know, one of the big, uh, the critics of this say, well, you're going to destroy people's incentive to go to work. And what these studies showed was that, no, it really didn't. It was a very nominal, small decrease in work. And it wasn't so much pulling people out of the labor force head as people would reduce the hours they worked. They still worked. Right, right. A reduction of it. So I think that's really important. Another important fact that needs to be brought up about this in the context we'll be discussing is we've never had a pure experiment anywhere in the world that meets the four requirements that social scientists and economists would love to see on on really testing this idea empirically. And that is the experiment needs to be universal. It needs to be randomized. It needs to be long term and it needs to provide a basic income, meaning defined as sufficient to live on. So right. if, you, if you took the poverty level, you know, for a family of four, divided by four, that would be the amount that each individual would get. Um, and no experiment has met this criteria yet. So the, the, the basic uh, conclusion from this long article in 538 is we have no idea, none, no data, n- no experience with what the effects of this are going to be. We really don't know. And one of the things I really appreciated about this author is he said, we can't let the anecdotes run ahead of the facts. You know, a lot of people thought microfinance was going to be this great thing to pull people out of poverty. And it was hyped up so much. Remember, the guy won a Nobel Prize and it hasn't been a panacea at all. Right. It, it was hyped so much. It, it came in below expect way below expectations. So I think that's a really important point. The other uh thing I just wanted to add to your definition of the terms and the wording is politically to sell this, um, countries are starting not to say basic income or, or big or UBI. They're starting to call it trust experiments or a citizen's wage, <laughs> which right. is probably better marketing, right? <laughs> right. It's a, it's a marketing thing. And, and yeah, I would, I would agree with that basic you know, citizen's wage is probably the best term. Right. So, uh, this is just going to be fascinating because uh, as, as we go through this, I'm, we're going to dive into Charles Murray and we're going to take a look at his the plan and lay out his framework because, again, this is really, really well thought out. And uh, in the meantime, folks, we need to uh, we need to take a break. And uh, we'd like to remind you that you can contact Ed or myself uh, via email at asktsoe at verisage.com. If you're following the show, you can uh, hit us on Twitter at hashtag AskTSOE or at AskTSOE and check out the Soul of Enterprise and also go to our live events page so you can see where Ed and I are going to be appearing live to doing various talks and whatnot. And now we want to hear from our sponsor, Leading Results. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Is your website just a brochure or is it your best salesperson? If your site is not the best lead generation tool you have, we should talk. We are leading results. 
we build websites and marketing programs that impact your bottom line. Using HubSpot or WordPress, we'll create a website and supporting marketing program that gets your business found, converts web visitors to leads, and provides clear tracking on what is and is not working. Learn about our team and approach to your success. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we are talking about the basic income. Yeah, money for nothing might be another way of saying it. We should uh, use that as the theme, money for nothing. Um, what would happen if we just gave people money in the terrific article that we are referencing in, in uh, 538? Rob, before you talk about Murray's plan, which I know is is fascinating, and you've, you've read the, the, the details in the book, uh, we just want to give you some stats on, and in 2011, it's estimated that in the, in the United States there were over 120 agencies that were dedicated in some way to welfare-type programs. And it's an esti- estimated that $668 billion in federal spending was on these agencies. And that, that, and that doesn't, doesn't include you know, Medicare, Medicaid, all that stuff, right? Uh, and then if you add the state money, which is $284 billion in state and local spending on this stuff, you quickly realize that if that's the 2011 numbers, we have got to be over a trillion dollars a year right now in this. So, yeah, this is real money. Yep, absolutely. And that point's been made by many thinkers before that if we just took all the money that we spent and gave it to the poor, you know, we could rise them above the poverty level in the United States, right, and not have um, the, the, the administrative overhead of running these systems. Sure. So, uh, the book in our, uh, this is from Charles Murray, folks, and it was a book published in 2006. Again, it's a short little book, a couple hundred pages. It's very, very thorough, and it's incredibly thought-provoking. And I would definitely put Murray at the top of being an expert in this topic, because nobody thinks longer and harder from every single angle than, than Charles Murray. He's a true, meticulous scholar. And in the book, Ed, he posits Imagine that the United States were to scrap all of its income transfer programs, including Social Security, Medicare, and all forms of welfare, and give every American age 21 and older 10 grand a year for the rest of their life until their death. Now, that $10,000 in 2006 would be roughly 
$12,000 a year in today's money. So in, in talking in terms of um, Murray's context, I'm just going to use that for convenience that we give everybody, every man, woman, child, 12, you know, not child, sorry, 21 years and older, 12 grand a year. Now, okay. he lays out a framework to do this and here's his framework and these are all essential. You have to get a universal passport at birth. At birth, kind of like a kind of like a social security number, right? You have to have a bank account. Now, with Bitcoin and blockchain coming, you know this is the technology. Obviously, could change. Um, you're going to need. Um, there's eligibility is regardless of your marital status. Living arrangements doesn't matter. Uh, and to index it, he gives a few different ideas. We could link it to the median income growth. We could link it to inflation. We could link it to productivity growth and wages, those types of things. So there's lots of different ways this could be indexed. It just doesn't have to be the CPI, you know, the inflation. He's assuming right. throughout the book, Ed, that tax revenues remain neutral. This is a really important assumption when you're like analyzing, you know, differences in tax structures or replacing the federal income tax. They almost all start with we, we need to keep the revenue the same. Now, we, we could have a, a huge right, debate about right. that, right? But but let's just go with that because I think that's a fair assumption. And the programs to be eliminated, specifically Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, which is medical care for the poor, welfare programs, social service services, uh, housing and food stamps, that type of thing. Um, agricultural subsidies are on his list. Corporate welfare is on his list, which I love. Absolutely. Absolutely. Student loans and scholarships. Now, what's interesting is when people say, well, how people are going to afford college? Murray says they could pledge their grant as collateral. Now, here's another thing, Ed. They have to, they have to buy medical insurance. Ah. 21. He figures that cost around three grand. Again, that's two thousand six dollars. But he says that that way we can have a universal pool, and we can privatize health insurance. No more tax. No more getting it from your employer. Right. All of that. All of that goes away. You buy your own medical insurance, just like we do for cars and houses. Here's the other thing, and I think this is the turd in the punch bowl. This requires. <laughs> this requires a constitutional amendment, and if you don't amend the constitution. You don't do this. And does he lay out the constitutional amendment? Is that because he wants? That's is that because he wants to get rid of all of the other stuff? Yes, he does okay. lay out the constitutional okay. amendment with the caveat that he's not a lawyer, <laughs> you know. Uh, but he does give a sample amendment, and and I think it's pretty good. You know, he says henceforth, federal, state, local government should make no law or establish any program that provides benefits to some citizens but not others. Right. The funds formerly allocated to them uh, will provide every citizen with a cash grant beginning at 21, you know, 10 grand a year, basically. Um, so just like if we went to a sales tax or a consumption tax, we'd need to repeal the 16th Amendment. So you wouldn't just, you know, toss these taxes on top of the income tax we already have. You repeal the income tax amendment first and then replace it. I think that's an enormous caveat. But I think it's really important with respect to this discussion. And in, 2000, in 2002, there were 21, uh, there were 202.3 million people in the U.S. of A. who were at the age of 21 or over. Immigrants, by the way, and incarcerated criminals are not eligible for the grant, right? 
So in 2011, um, he figured we would break even with the 10 grand because when he studied the numbers, he said in 2005, we were already spending the equivalent of giving everybody seven grand a year on all these various programs. That was his calculation. And again, he's backed this up with five appendixes <laughs> with, bu- right. with budgetary numbers, and you can check the math yourself. Um, so th- th- that, was his, that was his framework. Um, it leaves state-funded education. We'd still have that. It leaves transportation infrastructure. We'd still have the, he even says we'd still have the postal service. Right? <laughs> again, this guy's very <laughs> What about the roads, Ron? What about the roads? Who will pull the roads? <laughs> <laughs> and right. you know, he says, "What what's what's the purpose of this?" And and this came out in the five thirty eight article too. Everybody ta- starts here, you know, and we like to start with why the purpose of things, how to live meaningful lives in the age of plenty and security. Right now, we can question the security part because a lot of this is being fueled by job losses and technology and AI and all of that taking our jobs. And you know, I think that's given some. Um, some drive to to this movement, um, but Murray's purpose goes beyond that. It's it's not just you know yes how to live meaningful lives is is a very important part, and he spends a lot of time talking about that. By the way, going to Adam Smith and other philosophers, but he also says his big purpose in this is to revitalize the institutions that lead to satisfying lives, and his big one, of course, is making it easier to marry. He, he really, you know, how he likes to harp on the family breakdown. He's written many books on this. The biggest, latest one is called Coming Apart. And he also says, Ed, that this would make it much easier for people to change jobs and then possibly find vocations, right? A higher calling, if you will, uh, which I think is a good point. The 538 article talks about that, too, how, you know, innovation could flourish under this program because now you're giving people access to to time, basically, right, to, to do um, what they're passionate about, tinker in the garage or whatever. And, and I do think that's, a, that's an interesting point. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. I, and I think, and it, well, that's, but that's just also getting rid of, of the, the, the employer subsidy for insurance, right? I mean, that's a big just, part that, of it. just that, that alone is a huge part of it. That's, it, would, that's, it would. that's a big reason why a lot of people don't change jobs. That's right. It would make people more mobile. And we've talked about this before on a Free Rider Friday. Now, he doesn't say anything about the zoning laws that we talked about and why housing is so expensive in Silicon Valley and these other tech centers because of the, you know, the crazy building permits and, and set asides for, you know, use land and all of that. But I, I, I do like, and he also talks about repealing the medical licensing laws. You know, he makes the point that you shouldn't have, you don't need surgeons to pierce ears, right? We don't need full-fledged doctors to provide, you know, certain even ER services. Uh, and he also puts in tort reform as a big part of his framework as well. Um, but he says the plan, his plan, will end involuntary poverty. And his definition of that is people do the, who do the right thing, right? They have a job, they're trying to raise their family, pay their taxes, whatever, and they're still poor. He said that type of poverty will be eliminated under this plan. And, and he backs it up. And he deals with the work incentives head on. He says, okay, what about the argument that this is going to destroy the work incentive? You just got a bunch of layabouts and, you know, mouse and couch potatoes watching TV and living off other people. He says, 
most people who are going to stay out of the labor force under this plan are the same people out of the labor force today. <laughs> That's a good point. He also says you're going to have fewer hours work possibly per person, but not so much fewer people working. And he says the net decrease will be acceptable to our economy. I agree. So, I, I, I really do believe that people do want purpose in their lives and they and they and people will work or do something and not just sit around. Now, it, may, it might take, uh, you know, somebody who's just graduated college a couple of years to find themselves. But I think at a certain point, those who are going to find themselves are going to find themselves. So, yep. And that's what he says. He talks about the graduate, you know, who's on the fence about going to grad school and maybe takes a year off and goes to Europe. And, you know, this would allow them to do that and come back to grad school and, and, and go on and do that. He also Ed, talks about uh, end of life care, you know, um, that we spend a, a disproportionate amount on the last few weeks of our lives. Right in the hospital uh, and he says real insurance is going to take care of that because it's going to be real insurance it's not going to be prepaid medical expenses like we have now right. and he also deals with the argument and this is the same argument you hear about social security and I think this is a devastating retort to the people that say about social security privatization or even this plan is that well but if the stock market doesn't grow you know at least four percent um, you know people are going to get hosed right Murray points out, listen, the stock market doesn't grow 4%. The government's not going to be able to pay its promises now. Right. <laughs> That's a great, great point, right? Mm -hmm. The economy, I mean, where do people think the government gets the money? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We're well tied together. So that's kind of in a nutshell. That that's his plan. Again, the book is fantastic. We will post it in the show notes, and I'll and I'll give uh, some of these details uh, in our show notes. And folks, would still like to remind you that you can contact either myself at asktsoe at verisage.com. And we know many of you listen on demand, and we'd love it if you went out to iTunes and gave the show a review. That really helps. It helps us in getting great guests and uh, things like that. And now we want to hear from our sponsor. Quanta CRM. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. We believe great companies can become even greater by challenging the status quo within their companies. The latest challenge to your status quo? The way people buy has changed. Buyers now control the majority of the front end of the sales process. Sellers must learn to facilitate a buying process, not conduct a sales process. Social buying signals are an opportunity for sales. Learn more. Go to quantacrm.com slash ABC to request a copy of the white paper, Always Be Closing, a guide to the new art of social selling. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. 
the business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise and today on the soul of enterprise we are talking about universal basic income or basic income and Charles Murray's book, In Our Hands. And I, Ron, I've got a couple thoughts that I just wanted to share with you. I, I still have a voice here. Uh, and one of them was another uh, 538 article. And because, the, the, as you mentioned, the vote is coming up this weekend. It's, uh, it's on, on, uh, on Sunday. Sunday, and yeah. They don't, and they don't think it's going to pass. They really they don't, don't right. think that this is going to go through. And I, I'm wondering, you know, what – why that is? You would you would think that the Swiss would you know be all be all in favor of this. That's what we're we're we're, we're pounded on, and I think that's it's interesting. That's one of the misnomers that I think Americans make the mistake of thinking that 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 really these countries in Europe are just socialist paradises. They're really not. It, it, it's just it's just position that way i think to make us feel bad like you, you'll hear people say well oh you know other oecd countries blah 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 and i'm like yeah but you know the the u.s is is still in the in the middle and this is one of the things that this article points out is in the middle of that we're <clears throat> we're not any better or any worse than a lot than most oecd countries on 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 this on t- welfare spending Overall. Yeah, we rank 11th, don't we, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, so it's, that. it's just completely misses the mark to think that, you know, that we, we're somehow this still laissez-faire, um, you know, the social Darwinism, free-for-all country. It's, it's Nothing is further from the truth, at least, you know, those of us who are here. But I wanted to ask you about this. And, you know, if you, we, we do have to clarify this, that everybody, and everybody should know this by now listening to the show, but if, you know, if new listener, um, Ed thinks that all taxation is theft. Okay, so right. let's start at that <laughs> basic idea, and that no matter what you do, you're, you're going to have to finance this in some way, and <clears throat> and is it right? And I, and I, and I have to say, no, I, it, it, in the ideal, you know, libertarian utopia, no, this doesn't exist. But I do think that the point is is crystal clear that this is better in so many ways than what we currently have. And I, the question the question then becomes is are there other things that we can do that would even improve on this idea? So let me throw a couple out there at, at you and let me just see what your response is. Okay. And it looked like Murray was starting to go down this path, and I wonder if he were to update the book today, knowing what he knows about the blockchain and you know Bitcoin and 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 cyber currencies, wouldn't it make sense to at the same time as you do this also get rid of cash? Yes, I I think it it, it very well could. That that's a that's an enormous topic, Ed. There, the Economist has been writing articles after articles about you know they want to get rid of the thousand dollar bill, the five hundred dollar bill. Banks don't like cash, right? Because they can't take fees and all of that. Um, it's a really really great question and very complex. 
And but I think that that it now would be the time. Like if you're going to institute something like this, you you would it, it would it would it would be a good time to switch over to a, a cashless society as well. It really could right. give some major impetus to uh, to Bitcoin or other types of cryptocurrencies. That's for sure. Because I mean, with your universal basic income, what you could do is you you know you could say, listen, you're gonna you're gonna need a personal device, you know, whether that's the iPhone seven or or a a burner cell phone that that has your encrypted information in it, you know that that but and you you can go buy it now because well you have a universal basic income, right? Yep. And, and, you know, the other thing it would do is it would lessen fraud. You know, it would, the earned income tax credit, you know, I'm sure you're aware, is just rife with fraud, right? People filing phony tax returns, phony Social Security numbers, and it's just it's in the hundreds of millions a year in fraud, I think, the last time I looked. And with the blockchain and a the cryptocurrency, there, there, there'd be much less fraud uh, in the system. Yep. So I, so I think you know, it, and clearly we're not we're not going to go to this today since the Swiss are going to reject it this weekend. But but I do think that you know this is something that we should be looking at you know two five ten years down the line that and the time might be right you know that's that, that to to switch off of cash. All right, the next thing I want to throw at you, is, and this is kind of an an interesting one, is. And I, I'm not quite sure how this popped into my mind, and it's not necessarily directly related to this topic. But if we were to also include that, in st- when people were, were who are who are on this this plan who are buying food, that 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 the price be be changed so that it doesn't necessarily reflect um, the price of the food, but it's the price of the calorie, right? So here's mm-hmm. what I mean. So. So effectively, we could because we could do a translation because we now have a cashless society. We could effectively tra- transfer stuff. So, in other words, all right, you you can get up to pick a number five thousand calories of food per day on on this, and you but you can take it however you want. If you want all Snickers bars, knock yourself out. Yep. Right. And I think again by getting away from a cashless society and putting in the, the, the because then you could then do these types of translations, you could be really innovative around the provision of basic basic needs because it wouldn't have to be based on cash then anymore. Right now, <laughs> you know I think uh, it, this is just like a tax system, right? I think this is the trade-off between simplicity of just giving people money and then trying to social engineer. With calories, or and and you can imagine what other interest groups would come up with as well, right? You have mm-hmm. to buy the right type of gas, or you know, whatever. I mean, there's. Oh little, yeah, no, I see what you're saying. But, just cash would be cash, but my point is, is that if you got eliminated cash, you could you could have systems that made the translation for you. So you it would it, it would still be to the person who was making the purchase, it would still be in cash, but really what they were what and they wouldn't maybe necessarily even know know it, but what they were were then doing is they would be buying. Calories, right. right? No, I understand. Yep, right. I, it and it just it, it just off the top of my head, and I haven't thought about this probably as much as you have going through all this, but just it reeks of North Korea with their caloric <laughs> uh, scale. You know, if you're a minor, you get many more calories. If you're a woman who's pregnant and nursing, you get you know they have this entire scale. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 
And, and, you know, I, I think this is the guy from University of San Diego's point that, you know, paternalism, this is where you kind of get into nudge and the, and the problems with paternalism. But, but look, my, my question to that, this Mike, uh, Matt Zilowinski, um, I said, well, but is it paternalism for the government to provide everybody an allowance? Right. It's, it's, it's the ultimate. Is the it is the ultimate. There's there's definitely an irony there in his defense of this, and and that's my problem with it. You know, back to your Europe point, which is a, a really good point. Murray does spend a lot of time in the book talking about the European sclerosis or disease or whatever. You know, the whole welfare state. He does believe they're farther down than we are, by the way, that road. Um, but you know, he also talks about the the similarities and and all that. So I I think that's a really good point that you made about that. Yeah, yeah, and the 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 last concern that I wanted to express with you, and it's just as I was thinking through this, and by the way, my sources on this, I I read through the uh, Cato Unbound, which is kind of their online debate forum. Yes, that Cato has. They did have a segment on this, uh, which is called Libertarian uh, Libertarianism: The Pragmatic Case for Universal Basic Income, and they've got a series of articles by Zlowinski and and others that argue back and forth on this. So we'll post the main thread that you can read by Ed Dolan. And then from that thread, it, it launches out into a bunch of other different articles that you can read on it. And it's really fascinating. Um, and then there was also, I, I did, did see a, a video that was done on Fox Business when this first came up in 2013. And we'll post the, the, the video to that as well. But anyway, one of the points that that I thought as I was looking through this material and I didn't see a very good answer on is <clears throat> it's it's very possible that what this does is it it will bring the very poor up and it will bring the the near poor down so it it does it, it would it would create in a sense a uh a, a, a level playing field, but it would per, it would it would level the playing field at the only at the low end. Clearly, the low end, sure, sure. Right now, yep. you could argue, well, that's okay. <laughs> you know, I'm willing to make that trade off. And um, but but you but you mentioned it earlier. You said, well, th- 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 they felt that this this proposal would would el- eliminate. This the 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 problem of the 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 uh, the what is what what, what the term involuntary in, involuntary, in, involuntary poverty involuntary poverty but I, but I also think that it could make it it could make it more difficult couldn't it I mean it might this goes kind of go back to the way we used to classify the poor if you remember this in the eighteen hundreds and even before the deserving poor and the undeserving poor right. right Murray's really he doesn't use those terms but he's really talking about we're, we're getting rid of poverty for the deserving poor, right? The people that are trying to do the right thing. I mean, the, the idea that this is going to solve, you know, the guy on the street with the heroin needles in front of him, I'm, I'm much less sanguine about that. I don't think, you know, it's, it's not a panacea. You're not going to get rid of crime. You're probably not going to have a huge effect on family breakdown for a while. I, you know, who knows what it's going to do to teenage births. Again, we just don't have the data on this to know. It's never right. been done. Yep, you know, the, yep, yep, yep. the 538 article calls it the most audacious social policy experiment in modern history. Now, I take exception to that. You want to talk about an audacious social policy experiment in modern history? I give you the USSR. I give you China. I give you North Korea. I give <laughs> you Venezuela. I give you Cuba. <laughs> you know, 
and it's failed, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, those aren't fair comparisons because this would glom on to a democratic, more or less free market system. Mm-hmm. And so it's not the same thing as being run by, you know, a bunch of communists. So I, I, I do think it's an unanswered question. We just don't know. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, I, I'm going to let you do the break, Ron, because we've got to do one more break. But I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, in our next segment, I'm going to make some, uh, ask you some, for some bootlegger Baptist coalitions that I see forming around this. So we'll have, <laughs> we'll have to wait till after the break, though. So take, get, take us to the break. Okay. Well, great, folks. You can check out the uh, for the show notes, and we will post full show notes with links to all of the things that we're mentioning here at thesoulofenterprise.com. And now we want to hear from our sponsor and Ed's employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Four new employees, a 20% increase in revenue. Being one of the 9 million women business owners in the U.S. These are your proudest numbers, your landmarks of growth and success. Sage helps you achieve business milestones with cloud and software solutions that lead to deeper financial insights. Believe in your numbers. See what Sage can do for your business. Visit believeinyournumbers.com today. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. But have you ever read a book where the forward changed your life? Me neither. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I wrote the forward to Ron Baker and Ed Kless's new ebook, The Soul of Enterprise, Dialogues on Business and the Knowledge Economy. The value of this book is found entirely in its forward. So when you buy it, think of it as buying the forward and getting the rest of the book for free. Available now for download exclusively on Amazon.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And we are back. We're talking about an article from 538 is what happened if we just gave people money. And this is an article by Andrew Flowers. And fantastically written and thought-provoking article, and we're uh, just a really Ron a fascinating topic overall. And so I'm so glad that uh, one of the listeners sent us th- this the link to this article. But one of the things that I was thinking about, Ron, and you and I have talked about this a lot, the bootlegger and Baptist coalition. Of course, this is an idea in economics that, like at pro in prohibition where the bootleggers and the Baptists got together in order to you know, try to continue prohibition. The bootleggers obviously were in favor of it because they were making a ton of money off of the sale yep. of illegal booze, and the Baptists were doing it because they wanted to keep out and make sure that nobody was was drinking, drinking that fire water. Right, and having fun. And having fun, <laughs> right? Can't have that. Uh, so, so the, they got together, and, and, and in a sense, they didn't – it was a wink-wink, nod-nod type coalition – 
but I actually did some quick thinking about how it, with this proposal would cause two sets of, of coalitions, right? There would be the bootlegger Baptist coalition that are in favor of it and the bootlegger Baptist coalition that are against it. And the bootlegger Baptist coalition who are, would be in favor of, of this would be the, the, uh, the people who really don't want to work, right? Sure. <laughs> so, so that that would that would be the bootleggers in in favor. You know, I'm I'm thinking the you know, the, the character for, that William H Macy plays in Shameless. You know, just he does, doesn't want to work. So therefore, mm. he doesn't mm-hmm. work. Yeah. So figuring out a way around the system, and then and I would add myself into this category. By the way, the the, the Baptists in this would be the consequentialist libertarians, right? Yep. That that would be me me because I'm just like look. You're gonna steal my money anyway. You're gonna, you know, you're gonna. We're gonna take this out in taxation. Let's let's. Yes. All right. For if 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 I have to submit to that, then I want this done as efficiently as possible. Right. Yep. Uh, just yep. just just get 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 it out. Let's eliminate the bureaucracy. Well, then you could see. I I think it becomes clear then who the bootlegger Baptist coalition would be against this. Right, and the the bootleggers, of course, are, are the governmental agencies themselves. Absolutely, all the employees, right. and yep, all the employees, all and, of the and that's big, by the way, because of the unions and all of that. So right, right. So that's a huge, huge obstacle to overcome. But the and but the Baptist, this was probably the hardest one to think of. The Baptist in this coalition would be the, and I, this is probably not exactly right, but this would be the social conservatives who just think it's a bad idea to pay people not to work. Yeah, although, Ed, um, you know, Milton Friedman um, is in here. I think uh, uh, I haven't seen Thomas Sowell write on about this, but my guess is he, he they, they would favor it and, and had favored it based on your consequentialist, you know, libertarians in in favor. I mean, is it better than what we have now? You know, there's a lot of pragmatic conservatives. Um, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not saying social conservatives probably wasn't the right word, but let's let's so just strike social conservative and just say whoever these this group of people are, but the people who believe it's a bad idea to pay people not to do work. <laughs> right, right. Because uh, you know, I think Murray. Uh, you could even throw Murray in that category. Um, I also think Ed, there might be another one. Just in thinking about this, um, you know, the the five thirty eight article did point out some uh, some progressive think tanks who are against this. They wanted to see more done with the minimum wage, you know, and, and other types of, of uh, current welfare policies. Um, and, you know, maybe they're on the bootlegger side, but, but you know, they're in the not-for-profit world, so I'm not sure. But it seems to me like authoritarians mm. would be against this. That want yeah. that want more control. They they would be the kind that would add things to your calorie count, <laughs> right? Right, and, and make it complex as all get out, right? I know right, it's a great, right. it's, a well, great it's a great uh, way to think about it. Yeah, yeah, no, I it's a, it, yeah, and you're right. They probably would. They take my calorie count thing and bastardize it because what I was not trying to say you can't buy soda. Right, right. right. What, what I was trying to say is, if you if you want to buy if 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 you don't want to buy calories that are healthy for you and you want to get them from really crappy things, then you're probably going to be a little hungry. <laughs> I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be audacious enough to try and speak for Charles Murray. I I, I think he might say to that. I think that mm-hmm. with his universal mandate for health insurance 
and the fact that we're privatizing it and having really insur- real insurance that if you want to spend all your money on Snickers bars, then you know what? You're in effect paying for it because you have health insurance and you're right. not going to be a burden on society. I think that might be what he would say to that. That's true. That's true. Yep. 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 Yeah. You have, I haven't studied studied his promos- proposal as much as you have. So let me ask you this, Ron. We've got about you know, four or five minutes left. Do you think we'll get to this at some point? I think you'll see it in these European countries before you see it here. Uh, you're right. Your point about, you know, we've never voted for socialism here. It's, it's always been, you know, there's just something in the DNA, I think, of the USA that, that, that really recoils from this paying people for nothing. And there's a strain that really don't like it. Um, I think it's possible. But, Ed, I think the big, the big showstopper here is the constitutional amendment. I would not feel good about a plan like this being adopted unless we had a constitutional amendment that did away with everything else to make mm-hmm. sure that we just don't pile this on top of everything else, right? right? That's what scares me about it more than anything, even more even more than the work effect. Yep. I can yeah, buy Murray's I, point that, you know, people aren't going to drop out in droves of the labor force. They might just reduce their hours or go work for, you know, Uber or something uh, part-time. Uh, but, boy, I'll tell you, the, the, the government spending angle on this freaks me out. Yeah, I, I just I just kind of think, though, that because, you know, I, I, I'm a possibilist, but but more probably optimistic on the side of, of anything else. And, I, and one of the things that I often say during some of my speeches is, you know, let, let not your heart be troubled. <clears throat> the four horsemen of the apocalypse are on the wane, you know. I agree. Um, and and I and I still think that we are going to, despite the best effort of government, continue to increase our wealth. And at at some point, we're going to reach a point where we are so wealthy that this, I think, becomes a no brainer. Yep. You know, I, I've been reading this book, Sapiens, which talks about you know how we used to live as hunter gatherers, or even in the agrarian economy. And one of the things that you just realize very fast is you would not want to be poor back then. You wouldn't even want to be, you know, at, be at, rich at, back at then. average. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just not fun. It's just not a good life. And and you know what? If to, to the extent this is being done for inequality or these other purposes that are always written about, um, you know, that's fine because you know what? Capitalism created the inequality problem. So let capitalism solve it. And if if this is part of that solution or or you know part of the trade off, then then I'm okay with that. Um, I, I I so I I think it's possible, but I would want that constitutional amendment just be, for the protection, the firewall of government growing even bigger than it is. Yeah, I I would I would agree that I would I would want that now, <clears throat> but I do think you maybe you know fast forward twenty forty maybe it's fifty years from now. It, with the increased innovation, I think the the constitutional amendment will become less of a problem because th- this will just be. I really, I do think it'll be a no brainer. Be like, well, yeah. yeah, sure. It's kind of a first world problem if you really think about it. Exactly, exactly. You know, it really exactly is. Right. Um, you know, one of the things that you'll see written around this from the critics is the Mark Twain quote: "Don't go around saying the world owes you a living. The world owes you nothing. It was here first. Well, right. Mark Twain didn't say that. Uh, no, the closest we found is 1880 essay by a guy named Robert Burdett, who was a popular humorist, kind of like a Will Rogers type. 
And yep. he wrote uh, a column in the Iowa, an Iowa newspaper called Advice to a Young Man. And he said, no, my son, the world does not owe you a living. The world does not need you just yet. You need the world. <laughs> it, it never, the world isn't responsible for your being. It didn't send for you. It never asked you to come here. And in no sense is it obligated to support you now that you are here. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess this kind of goes back to the whole idea of negative rights and positive rights, right? Sure. But from pragmatic yeah. grounds, Ed, like we've been talking about, no solutions, just trade-offs, I agree with you. I, I think this would be better than what we have, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I could support yep. it on uh, on those lines. So, so, Ed, what do we have coming up next week? Well, next week we are going to in we're going to interview one of our our friends of the show, Doug Sleater. And Doug is, uh, I guess, semi-retired from his role at the Sleater Group, which was uh, subsumed into another company. But he's a, a big follower of Bitcoin and the blockchain. So we're going to talk with him about Bitcoin and the blockchain. Oh, great. I look forward to that because the blockchain, we've been talking about it. And yeah, we will probably dedicate many shows to it. So yeah, I look forward to that. And I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the soul of enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy, sponsored by Sage, energizing the success of businesses and communities around the world through the imagination of our people and smart technology. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, please check out our show notes at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can listen to all of our prior shows as well. And um, we'll post everything that we talked about today. And you can contact Ed or myself at asktsoe at verisage.com. And next week, we have Doug Sleater talking about the blockchain. Thank you for listening, folks, and have a fantastic weekend. <laughs>